Welcome to the Transcend Human podcast. My name is Daryl McMullen, and this is a show where we discuss how we can rise above the human condition. We address topics that we all wrestle with because we're all human. And together we look for more positive ways to respond to the world around us. Thank you for joining us on the journey. We hope today's topic is exactly what you need for the week ahead. Good morning, everybody. Welcome back to another episode of the Transcend Human podcast. It is great to be with you. Um, Looking forward to today. It is July 12th, 2021. However, more interestingly than that, probably, is the fact that this is episode number 70. Um, I like just calling that out every every now and then when we kind of hit a milestone. Um, And it feels like just the other day, um, you know, we had hit 50, uh, and we were doing a whole month of, uh, giveaways because it was the 50th episode. And here we are 70 already crazy. So when I think back, I think I've told this story before, but you know, this whole concept of transcend human just really started bugging me. It just kept popping into my head over and over and over again, um, back around, November-ish, October, November of 2019. And I just, I just couldn't put it off anymore. I had to do something about it. So I got everything set up. You know, I do, uh, my shadow career is web development. And so, you know, it was pretty easy to throw a website out there, get a podcast set up, um, you know, set up social media accounts, the whole nine yards, everything you need to do in order to have a great functioning podcast. Got it all set up, ready to go January 2020. Boom, hit the ra- hit the ground running. Boom, COVID. <laughs> like literally launched the podcast at the same time that COVID was just ramping up around the world. Interesting coincidence? I don't know. Just interesting, I guess. Um but yeah, that's kind of the story of how things got kicked off. And like I said, here we are 70 episodes later. I cannot believe uh, that we are still cranking out um, content as much as we are. But it's interesting, you know, because the Transcend Human podcast originally was just meant to be these one-off episodes like, you know, like today's. Um, And at some point in there, I realized there was such a tight tie-in to a manuscript I had written back in the early 2000s called Controversy Theory. So ended up doing that entire um, series of 17 episodes on Controversy Theory. So that was a lot of fun. Um, And then, you know, went from that back into the one-off standalone kind of episodes that we're used to. Uh, And then, you know, this year we're actually talking about doing a parenting series. And so we've got, I think we already have five of those in the can. Uh, We're still working through a few more um, before we launch that. So we're going to have a a parenting series called Transcendent Parenting. And then later in the year, um, we really, really, really want to get this next series, kind of the sister series to Controversy Theory called Conscience Driven Therapy. I want to get that built, structured, and then um, out on the podcast for all of you. So good stuff happening around here. Um, Thank you so much for following along. Love having you here. Um, And that's where we're headed. 
All right, so today, minute of transparency. Uh, I'm going to call it passing the baton. So last week, I think I threw out the concept of cycles, right? That we all go through these waves or phases, right, with each passing generation. Things that you see kind of pop up with each generation that goes by. Uh, one example I threw out was music. You know, I talked about how our tastes in music change from generation to generation and how, you know, one generation can love the certain style of music and the next one hates it or, or vice versa. Uh, and then I talked about cars and how each generation kind of reaches that age where they get their driver's license and they start learning how to drive. And then they have their first car experience, right? But it occurred to me that there is something else that goes in cycles, right? Something else that is passed from generation to generation, kind of like a baton, right, in track and field. Actually, two things, right? The first is the bad things that we've done in our past. And the second are the good things that we did in our past. Combined, these two things make up what I want to talk about today, which is our legacy, Legacy is the one thing that we get to leave behind when we pass on, right? The thing that we leave to our kids and future generations. But before we go into all that, I wanted to take a few minutes and just look back kind of at my own family of origin uh, and see, see if I could identify some of the legacy items that my parents uh, passed on to me. So the first um, is Christianity as a foundation, so one of the things my parents determined early on is that they were going to raise their kids to believe in God. That included attending church, um, hanging out with other families from the church. Uh, we, we attended Christian education for many years, um, and we were taught that our behavior mattered for religious reasons, spiritual reasons, for eternal reasons. Number two, uh, God created the earth. Therefore, nature matters. So this is another thing that kind of uh, came out of my parents as, as far as like stuff that they taught us growing up. Now, I wouldn't call my parents environmentalists by any stretch of the imagination, but they did raise us to value nature and to value the earth, right? They raised us to bring out what we packed in. The whole idea that littering is just laziness and it's irresponsible, uh, we spent countless hours exploring and spending time as a family in the world that God created. Number three, work is work, so make it work. I have no doubt that I got my work ethic from my parents. My dad not only worked hard in terms of his career, but he also worked hard to keep his home and his yard looking as beautiful as possible. He had hobbies. Uh, he was always learning new things. And I can't imagine the things that he might have done if he had the internet the way we do. Uh, my mom was a stay-at-home mom for many years, but then went back to work when things got tight to help make ends meet. Uh, between the two of them, they worked hard to give us a good life. Now, they weren't out to be millionaires, but they worked hard for their family. Number four, life is short, so adventure hard. They taught us the value of a good road trip, right? Why fly somewhere when you can be in the car together, play games, talk, enjoy each other's company, and really experience the trip together? Because of this, we saw a huge percentage of the United States and Canada even before we became adults. Uh, my parents also took each of us on an adventure by ourselves. 
So my sister at one point went with my mom to the Mall of America for a week-long trip of shopping, restaurants, and other leisure activities. Uh, then my dad took my brother for a week uh, canoe on a canoe trip through the chain lakes in Minnesota. And then I went on a trip with my dad. Uh, it was a, a bike trip, bicycle trip, uh, for 2,300 miles, I believe it was, in total. Um, we left Powell, Wyoming, and a month later, we rolled into Edmonton, Alberta, Canada. So adventure was definitely a theme with my parents. Number five, you are resilient and can handle change. So at the end of my first grade year in school, uh, my parents uprooted us from everything that we knew, and they moved us from the Chicagoland area to Powell, Wyoming, a small town of about 4,500 people, I think, at the time. And we lived there for seven years uh, before eventually moving back to the Chicagoland area. Now, looking back, these were seven of the best years of my life. I mean, yes, there were bad things that happened during our time there, but that's life. That's the human condition. We learned that we could go through big changes and still thrive. Number six, God made all of us. Therefore, we all have the same value. So for my parents, this wasn't just something that they recited because they were Christians, right? I, I still remember the day my father brought home a minority student from the college that he worked at. Uh, it was over Thanksgiving break, and he, this student had no place to go. So my dad brought him home for Thanksgiving dinner. Now, the other interesting piece of the story, because that's interesting enough, especially in the area we lived in, um, there were very few minorities that lived in the area we lived in. Everyone was white. So this was, I mean, this was a big deal. This was different. The next piece that is equally interesting is that this student brought a bottle of wine with him. Now, those of you growing up in a pretty strict traditional Christian home may have had the rule that wine is not allowed in your house or alcohol of any kind. And that's the case with our house. But my dad graciously explained that we probably wouldn't be drinking any of the wine. Then he proceeded to open the bottle, pour a glass, and handed it to our guest. This interaction taught me a lot about love, acceptance, and the value of every person. Number seven, Jesus put others first, so should we. So looking back, I can't really put my finger on a specific story, but there was just an unwritten rule that if somebody was in need, you help them out. It is what it is. From people stranded on the road to people moving and needing help from someone with a pickup truck to running food to people who were experiencing loss to getting to know neighbors that um, were in the neighborhood so that you would know if they had a need or not. To this day, my dad will still mow his lawn and then head across the street to mow his neighbor's lawn because he can no longer do it on his own. Number eight, encourage others and let them fly. So one thing that I can see looking back is my parents' desire for us to grow up and to find our thing, right? Find our own thing. They weren't pushy. They didn't try to guide us into a career. They weren't constantly telling us, uh, you know, that we were going to fail if we didn't do X, Y, or Z. They simply encouraged us to fly and figure out things on our own. So I saw this uh, played out in at least three ways. First of all, my brother came home one day and said that he was joining the military. Now, 
I wasn't in most of those conversations, but I believe they listened and they encouraged him to follow what he thought he needed to do. Next, my sister got married to a guy that loves the Middle East. Uh, Not long into their marriage, he took a job in Beirut and they've lived there ever since. Not only did my parents accept this and encourage them, but they also booked flights and went to see them at some point soon after. And finally, when we dropped the bomb that we were leaving the Midwest in order to move to California, my parents listened and then encouraged us to follow our dreams. Soon after, they came out to visit us here as well. So that's eight things right there off the top of my head. Uh, If you gave me a week or two, I might be able to think of a few more. Now, all of these things are positive, right? So am I saying that my life was 100% awesome? and that we never experienced difficulties, or that we never um, never had any negative things happen because of my parents' behavior? No. I mean, when I defined legacy above, I said it involved two things, right? The bad things we've done and the good things we've done. So were there bad things in my life? Of course. My parents had issues just like their parents had issues just like your parents have issues. And yes, just like I have issues that my kids are forced to deal with. So my mom would be the first to admit that she had to deal with selfishness on some level for many years. Uh, She grew up as an only child, and this led to issues in their marriage. My dad would probably admit that he doesn't communicate very well, right? He's a very quiet person, and at times I think he just checked out instead of engaging in family conversations. Over time, this led to communication problems in their marriage, and at some point they decided to separate, and they almost got divorced. Interestingly enough, this negative event wound up turning into a positive one years later, when they fully worked through the situation, agreed to stay together, and now are living proof that marriages can be saved with hard work, humility, and a desire to follow God's plan. Another negative thing uh, might be the way Christianity was initially introduced to us. And I think this happened to numerous kids at the time, right? Because Christianity was more about religion and a lot less about loving other people. It was all about rules and regulations, doing the right thing every time and making sure that you didn't go to hell. Now, my parents would be heartbroken to hear me say this. Uh, I'm sure they were just doing what they thought was right at the time. And they didn't explain it in this way, in terms like this, but uh, it was more of a subconscious thing, right? Something we learned over time based on this hyper-focus on our behavior. Today, I wouldn't say my parents really fall into that category as much, but back then, it's just the way things were. Uh, I have a friend about my age who grew up in a totally different denomination than me, and her story sounds almost identical. And then finally... Uh, There is something unique about my family, something deep down in our personality somewhere, somewhere in our DNA, and I haven't really been able to fully define it yet, but uh, actually I haven't even been able to determine whether it's a serious deficit or just an interesting or unique way that we experience life. But my family is very independent, meaning that we don't really need constant interaction with other people both as individuals and as a family unit. Growing up, our family stayed together, did things together, and that was enough. 
I mean, we did things with other families once in a while, but for the most part, it was just us. Similarly, as individuals, we can go long periods of time not seeing each other and not even talking to each other. And then when we do run into each other, we pick right up where we left off. Now, my wife is the exact opposite, and she views this as a serious problem, right? And over the years, I've learned that other people in my family actually view it as a problem as well. My siblings have made comments about the issues we have as a family and not being able to communicate well with each other. So on some level, I've come to the realization that this may be one of those negative legacy things that's just passed down in our family. I have no clue where it came from, and I'm not even 100% sure how to fix it. It just is what it is. So there you have it. If that wasn't transparent, I'm not sure what the word means. It's hard looking back on your life, on your family, on your upbringing, and seeing the good as well as the bad. But it's life, right? It's all part of the human condition. And we all experience things like this. So this week, we're talking legacy, right? How to leave the best possible legacy for our kids and for the world that comes after us. In this episode, we're going to talk about three things. First, legacy schmegacy. Number two, looking backward, looking forward. And three, living your legacy today. Number one, legacy schmegacy. So what is legacy anyway? I mean, we already touched on it briefly, I guess, in a minute of transparency, where I defined it as the good and the bad things that we've done and the impact that those things have on our kids or those following us. Uh, you know, if we define it, dictionary.com defines legacy as, first, a gift of property, especially personal property like money or, you know, a will or a bequest. And then number two, anything handed down from the past as from an ancestor or predecessor. So interestingly enough, your legacy can be physical, right? It can be material. You can hand down property, money, physical things, cars, or whatever to the next generation. But that isn't really what this episode is about. We're, we're more interested in the second definition, right? Things that are handed down from the past, from an ancestor, a predecessor, or in this case, a parent. And not physical things like money or property, but the intangible things. Uh, things like morals, values, ideals, life strategies, worldview, etc., Things that make you a better person in the future, not just a wealthier person in the future. So how important is legacy? Well, superficially, it seems important, right? I mean, when I talk about a parent handing down good morals and values to the next generation, I mean, that sounds pretty important, right? But the deeper you get into the understanding of legacy, the more important it becomes, you start to realize how legacy is just baked into us as human beings, right? That it's really, it's at the core of uh, who you are, who we are as humans. Uh, I came across this website in my research this week. Uh, the website's called legacyproject.org. Uh, it's basically a grassroots research and innovation organization founded back in the year 2000. And when you arrive at the website, the first thing you see is this statement. Empowering generations to connect the dots and create a bigger seven-generation story of change for the well-being of lives, communities, and the planet. Pretty interesting, right? 
As I read more about the organization, I learned that there are two major themes that they focus on. The first is legacy to the third power or legacy cubed, uh, basically meaning that in order to leave a legacy, you need to incorporate these three elements into your life. First, connect, second, create, and third, change. So being willing to connect with other generations, be willing to create a life plan and engage in legacy projects, and then be willing to change, change yourself, change your community, change the the things around you that you can change. So that's the legacy piece. Number two is seven generations. So this is the idea that there are over 7 billion people living on earth today, and that at any point in time, there are around seven generations represented. So you have your generation, and then you have three before, and you have three after. So I'm going to read this quote from the website because it kind of explains this whole idea a little bit better. The Legacy Project's seven-generation work draws on an indigenous concept of long-term thinking across seven generations, while at the same time reflects the modern context of a historic demographic shift to even more living generations. For the first time ever, you are likely to personally know seven generations in your lifetime. So your own generation, three before you, parents, grandparents, and great-grandparents, and then three after you, your children, your grandchildren, and your great-grandchildren. There is comfort, insight, and power in this ability to connect more generations than ever before. So the founder of this organization, her name is Susan Bozak, um, she explains it really well in an 18-minute TED Talk. So if you're interested in kind of, you know, hearing the full explanation and doing a deeper dive into that, I'll put the link in the show notes. But in the talk, she basically explains that if we want to change the world to become a seven-generation world, we need to do two things. The first is the external piece, which is the generation piece. So the ability to connect with those before us and those after us. And then the second piece is what she considers internal, which is the legacy piece. And this she describes as the ability to hold on to the bigger things, actively owning what really matters and deciding in advance the best thing to do for the world moving forward. She uses this interesting word a few times in, in her talk. The word is McMoment. McMoment. So it's this idea that we're living in a McMoment world where all we care about is what's right in front of us. An obvious reference to McDonald's, which is fast food, which is give me food now, right here, right now in the moment, right? So she talks about this fact that we're living in a McMoment world where we are so hyper-focused on what's right in front of us and what we're doing at the moment that we live disconnected. She calls it a disconnected present, living without the influence of the past or an understanding of our future. She also threw out a pretty bold statement about Maslow's hierarchy of needs, which, you know, for me, I went to school to do counseling. So I was taught Maslow. I was taught Piaget, Erickson, you know, the developmental stages, all of those things. And so you know, I've, I've come to rely on Maslow's hierarchy of needs as one of those core foundational elements in psychology. But she explained it in such a way that blew my mind. She said, 
those needs or that explanation of our needs is actually found wanting in, in that legacy is viewed in the hierarchy, in the pyramid as just a fringe element, right? So only those who have everything else in their life figured out um, can actually make it to that really, you know, that pointy little triangle at the top called self-actualization, which is where legacy fits into the, the hierarchy of needs that Maslow suggested. So she said, I think we need to change it to more of an ecology versus a hierarchy. And in this ecology, we need to live, love, learn, and have legacy. And that each of those is no important than the other, that we need to be working on all of those things at the same time. Just an interesting concept. And then to wrap things up, she basically said that the the whole seven generation model really originated from science. So research was done on trees and how trees grow. And so if you take a small tree and you plant it out in the middle of a field somewhere, completely away from every other tree, it'll grow, but it'll grow fairly slow. But if you take that little tree and you plant it next to a large tree, it actually grows faster and more heartily than it is if it were away from the large tree. So it's an interesting illustration, right? Used to help determine this philosophy that this organization believes in so strongly, which is that a child benefits from the legacy of the older generation. Not just the legacy after they're gone, right? But the legacy that they pass down while they're still alive, while they're still able to interface with those before them. And then that child, as they grow, is able to offer that same interaction to the generations that follow them. Crazy stuff, right? You know, selfishly for me, I I love this stuff because it actually dovetails so well with Transcend Human. So the seven generation concept is all about transcending human, right? It's about rising above the human condition. You can call it legacy. You can call it whatever you want, but it's taking what you know and living up to that or living above that if you can. Now, the core values of Transcend Human are truth, transparency, growth, and love. Um, And I think that those core elements would find a very happy home over at the seven-generation headquarters. I mean, can you see it? Trying to live the seven-generation lifestyle would actually require all four of those, right? A willingness to see truth for what it really is, a willingness to be transparent with other generations, a desire to grow based on what we learn from the other generations, and a love for the other generations, as well as the world around us. But I digress. Back to legacy. Number two, looking backward, looking forward. It's funny because I wrote these headings prior to my research on the topic, right? So I came up with the whole looking back, looking forward thing before ever even reaching the seven generation website. But I mean, I feel like it fits pretty well, don't you think? I mean, at the core of Susan Bozak's explanation is this idea that we need to look back to the three generations before us and forward to the three that follow us. Now, obviously, my use of the phrase will be slightly different, but I do love the fact that it overlaps so well. When I was thinking through this idea of legacy, I wanted to talk about the past and the future before diving into the present. 
obviously the present is the only one of the three that we have any direct control over. But when we talk about our legacy, the first thing we tend to do is to look back at the things we've already done, right? So let's start there with our past. At the top of the show, I said a bunch of things about my parents, right? About my upbringing, things that that they did that helped make up the legacy that they're leaving for us. Yes, there were a few negative things, things that tarnished the legacy, if you will. But most of the things were positive, good things that they did to leave a lasting legacy for my siblings and me. Now, I'm assuming that at some point in their 50s or mid-50s, they probably looked back on their years as parents. And some of the things that that went down, uh, they probably were sad about, right? They probably wished that they could go back and do them over. And then there were other things that they probably looked back on and smiled, thinking, well, at least we did something right. And this is what each of us needs to do at some point in our lives. When we start to understand this concept of leaving a legacy, when we we come to believe that it's important, when we realize that our behavior isn't just impacting us, but that there's a, a ripple effect across generations, that's when we become open to change. And it starts with looking back into our past. Now, step four of the original 12 steps of AA reads like this made a searching and fearless moral inventory of ourselves. Now, we'll address this again when we talk about the present, but when we look back at our past, we need to have the same mindset. The words searching and fearless are very important. Searching because we need to go back over all of it, all of the things we've done, all of the things that were good, all of the things that were bad, and then fearless because it requires a a level of honesty that can be difficult, right? Admitting that there were things that we did that were not good. For me, this means admitting the truth about the lost years, right? Uh, The near decade of alcohol use that basically tarnished my legacy, the one that I was wanting to write for my kids. But once we have that list written out, we need to understand the following. The past is the past, You can't change the things you did. All you can do is own them as part of your story, to be honest about them and allow them to inform your present and your future. Learn from your mistakes. Don't repeat them. And at the same time, there should be good things to look back on, right? Things that you did well, things that you can be proud of. These are things that you can also learn from. You can see them in your past and then you can replicate them in your present and your future. Speaking of future, this is the next step, right? So after coming to grips with our past, we want to take that telescope and turn it around toward the future. Look down the road. Dream. How do you want to be remembered? What story do you want to write? What story do you want people to read about you in the future? What type of legacy do you want to leave for your kids and for the world that comes after you? Now, this can be a huge moment in your life. Right? When you stop and think about the future, what kind of person you want to be, the actual behaviors that you want to display, the life you want to live, the way that you want people to remember you in terms of personality, selflessness, positivity, generosity, all of those things, it's, it can be an epiphany sometimes, right? Just looking at this list can make all the difference in the world because it shines a spotlight on you as a person and it identifies where you're doing well and where you're lacking in the present day. 
Number three, living your legacy today. So the obvious place where we need to get to is the present day, right? We've talked about the past. We've talked about the future. Now we're going to look at the present day because today is the only day that we have 100% control over, at least how we choose to think and behave today. Today is our tool, right? It's a weapon of choice in the battle of life. Today is when we make choices that form habits that form character. Today is when we can push back against darkness. Today is when we can rise above the human condition. Today is when we can choose to transcend human. Today is powerful. Now, I'm not going to go too far down this rabbit hole, but this whole idea of time is a concept that can blow your mind if you study it at any deeper level, right? Just time as a concept, right? The idea that today is just a moment in time. The idea that all we really have are moments in time. The idea that our memories are only available in this moment of time, though they occurred in the past. The idea that Earth is tied to this construct of time, but there are other areas of the universe where this may not be true. I mean, look at it this way. Ultimately, God exists outside of time and space, right? Time means nothing to him. He has always existed and always will exist. So time in and of itself is something that only we here on Earth experience. There may be other created worlds or beings out there where time doesn't hold the same weight as it does here on Earth. Like I said, it can really start to mess with your mind when you think about it. Now, I've been watching a Netflix series called Dark. Uh, It's a German series with English voiceover and subtitles, so it's a little strange to watch. Um, And it really pushes the envelope in terms of content, so beware. Uh, But the premise is time travel and how the past and the future are actually cyclical on some level, that people are traveling back and forth. Some are caught in the wrong time periods. Believe it or not, the behavior of the characters actually helps to define outcomes in both the past and the future. Just crazy. Then there's probably those of you who are into the whole Marvel universe, and you would probably throw the new show Loki in there as well since the main premise of that show is time travel and the the idea that you can interface with multiple variants of the same person from different time periods. I'm just, I'm noticing that this whole concept of time, you know, just seems to be trending in everything, including TV, movies, and even mainstream conversations that you have with people. I mean, if this stuff really interests you, uh, here's another rabbit hole you can go down. Uh, And Rob Bell would be more than happy to be your tour guide. Uh, In a recent episode of the Robcast called Time in Us, uh, Rob and his son sit down and they chat about time, memories, awareness, and our direct experience with time as we live out our lives. Some really interesting things, (laughs) really interesting ideas to be sure. But again, these are all rabbit holes. So let's keep moving with legacy. So step one, we talked about looking backward. Step two, looking forward. And step three is to look inward at yourself right here, right now in the present. So this is where, again, step four in the original 12 steps of AA is equally important. So what did we say it was? We need to make a searching and fearless moral inventory of ourselves. Not the things that we've done in the past this time, Instead, we're focused on life right here, right now, in the moment. And again, 
the word searching and the word fearless are important. Searching because we need to go through everything, our thinking, our behaving, our personality, our time management, our hobbies, our people skills, uh, our wants and desires, our goals, our hidden agendas, our true intentions, all of those things we need to search through. And then fearless, again, because we must be honest with ourselves. If we're not, it's a waste of time. It's an exercise in futility. Of course, honesty can be difficult, right? Admitting that we have deficiencies, admitting that we have bad habits, uh, admitting that there are things that we should probably change about ourselves. But this is the only way. After being honest with ourselves, we're actually able to see the changes that we need to make. So let's tie everything up in a nice, neat little bow, right? Legacy is work. It requires time. It requires effort. Looking back, looking forward, looking inward. But it is possible, right? If you're willing to think through it, there is no telling what you can do today to impact your future. And not just the future for you, but the future for your generations that come after you and for the world around you. So let's land the plane. I'll leave you with this. If you're really interested in this whole concept of legacy, uh, there's another podcast episode you can listen to. Um, For those of you who know Bob Goff, um, he has a podcast called the Dream Big Podcast. And he did an episode called Dreaming with the End in Mind. um, And he interviews this guy. This guy's name is Steve Leder. And he's a rabbi in Los Angeles. And And they talk a lot about legacy, um, but then they have an interesting twist. Near the end of the episode, they talk about this thing called an ethical will, which is interesting because I think um, at least Bob Goff has a a background in, um, I think think he's a lawyer. I mean, I think he's an attorney in in life. That's what he does, even though he has podcasts and all these other things. Um, So it's kind of right up his alley, right? Talking to this guy and this guy throws out this concept of an ethical will, which is just crazy, right? The whole idea that as you create your actual will and you're doing your power of attorney, all those legal documents, that you could also create this thing called an ethical will. So this document, the way he described it, would would include your hopes and your dreams for the next generation, right? The values that you want to pass down, the legacy that you want to hand off so that the next generation can carry it forward. So interesting. I mean, the link is in the show notes if you want uh, to kind of dive into that. But like I said, just a very interesting thought about kind of a tangible way, right, of taking that legacy that you want to leave, putting it on paper so that it becomes like this document that the next generation has. Um, But anyway, before we go, a few questions for you this week. First, have you ever thought much about legacy? If not, try it this week. It might be the perfect time for you to jump into it. Number two, look backward this week. Can you identify some of the negative things that you need to stay away from? Can you identify some positive things that you can do more often? Next, number three, look forward this week. Can you identify the person you want to be in the future? Can you get specific about the type of legacy that you want to leave? And finally, this week, look inward. What are you doing that fits with the legacy you want to leave? What are you doing that will tarnish that legacy? Now go and make changes accordingly. 
Thanks for making Transcend Human a priority in your week. We love that you're here. We love that we get to walk this road together. As always, share the show with family and friends. If you are so inclined, uh, leave us a rating and review on Apple Podcasts. You know, each review helps boost our overall ratings, um, typically helps to make Transcend Human more visible to new listeners, things like that. Always a big help. So that's it, friends. Have a great week. Uh, Live your legacy. And as always, keep transcending human. We hope you've enjoyed listening to this episode of the Transcend Human podcast. For more information, you can go to transcendhuman.com, where you'll find additional content as well as ways to contact us and links to our social media channels. Thanks again for subscribing to the show, and we'll see you again real soon.